You're listening to the Not Your Grandmother's Book Club podcast, where we read them so you don't have to. Like the show? Become a patron at patreon.com forward slash nygbc. You should write a book, Fry. People need to know about the can eat more. getting this book on UFOs. Did you know they're real? But there's a huge comic conspiracy to cover it up. Oh, that's just a paranoid fantasy. I want to be a book that you can pick me up, flip through my pages, make sure nobody drew wieners in me. Mother's Book Club podcast, where we read them so you don't have to. Because when there is no God, time is circular. <laughs> my name is Kevin, and I'm joined as always by my co-host Benedict, the man with the world record for being told by the most women that he's such a good friend. Benedict, what's your favorite cereal? Ooh, um, hmm. Favorite or most frequently eaten? Now, let me clarify yeah. for you highfalutin motherfucker. Uh, then I'm not talking about your favorite grain. Uh-huh. I'm talking about what we commonly refer to as breakfast Okay, I was going to say barley, but you know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, did you know that in England, I found this out recently, in England we call wheat corn sometimes. What? Yeah, and I think it's just like a naming convention thing that when we came over here, we didn't know that there were different things. So they were just like, that's corn. And then they were like, and, and then that the name stuck. So if you go back to like all the medieval records, they talk about corn in the UK. And it's like that, we didn't have corn. That's native to the Americas. <laughs> but that's just the thing that we used to say. Well, I guess the word had to come from English, yeah. right? And that, yeah, and dumb, dumb pilgrim motherfuckers being like, look at these fields of corn. That's the same. Fucking pilgrims in a goddamn Mayflower motherfucker. Okay. Benedict, yep. what is your favorite cereal? You're, you're avoiding the question. There's, no, there's something ma- master wrong with telling answer. people I made what your you favorite laugh. cereal yeah. is. Um, yes. So, a counter question. <laughs> do you mean favorite cereal or do you mean cereal that I eat most days? Ah, that's the, I, I understand where you're coming cereal from. Cereal that I like enough many times, to put in my body on a regular basis. <laughs> as we mentioned many times, you and I are both quite elderly at this point <laughs> in our lives, at almost 30. Uh, I gotta have are, some fiber, Kevin. It's, I can't <laughs> modify the diets for health. Yeah, let's go. Let's go with. Uh, let's go wild. What's just your favorite? If you had a choice, Ooh, what are you going for? If I had a for? choice, if I could just go nuts, and probably my favorite cereal as a kid, grape nuts. Grape nuts are pretty good. I'd like some grape nuts. Yeah. Um, as a kid, it was probably like Nesquik like cereal like it's not a, like big net i don't remember a nesquik so cereal. i don't maybe it, that's it just might a have UK just been thing. a uk thing but they had like essentially they were just big cocoa pops is what they were okay <laughs> but like they were like little like almost like rice balls and they weren't like quite soggy in the milk like it you know maybe i do remember something like that now yeah i think i think maybe i do recall yeah it's good my, my go-to now is sorry i've turned away from the mic as i turn to look at it on my Mm-hmm. Um, chastise you special special k chocolate and strawberry oh man that's i uh, see i'm not so much for the chocolate but i am a special k fan yeah i'm a special k red berries uh, that's good it's good all about that special k see red what they did that's... was they lied to me and they said that the chocolate and strawberry was a limited edition and <laughs> and i was like oh man i gotta try that before it goes away and now i'm fucking addicted 
So for me, the, the cereal with with like because the, the special K chocolate, it's like tiny little chocolate bars they actually throw in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but for me, that's a uh, dry snacking cereal. Gotcha. Like I'll just take fistfuls of that. Yeah, when I'm sitting like, around. It's like dark chocolate too, as well. So it feels better. Mm-hmm. Than... Yeah, so it's gross. Fuck yeah. you and your dark chocolate. <laughs> I love dark chocolate. It's my favorite. <laughs> I've told my vegan girlfriend many times. Damn you. <laughs> And your dark chuck No, I haven't ever talked about that. Uh, but anyways, I, I actually I do I do have to say, like my if I if I was to go beyond myself, not be an adult, I am absolutely an Applejacks fan. Okay. Love me some Applejacks. I don't Jacks. think I've ever had the pleasure. App, let, me, let me tell you, when we uh, when you finally become an American citizen, we're gonna do all those things. We gotta check off your list. We gotta go to uh, I mean, Denny's. I can just go get We're gonna get you a bowl an, of Apple Jacks. There's an Apple Jacks at the CVS. <laughs> I frequently ignore it. I can just do that. Hey, it's a ritual. We're gonna perform okay. the Americanizing ritual. Okay, gotcha. uh, But anyways, Benedict, uh, what's your hot take for the day? Hot take for the day is that the hot takes portion of the show is stupid, and we would be much I better think served you're stupid. discussing food stuff instead. We do both. Uh-huh. We do I both, we and I know spend... the reason you wrote that is because you never prepare for the hot takes. Well, no, I was start. okay. So my other hot take was going to be that British insults are better than American insults mm. because you called yeah, me a wanker cause... when I said that you ha- I hadn't prepared anything, <laughs> and I was like, that's such a good insult that people don't really use here. Yeah, plus you're allowed to use words over there that we can't use over here. <laughs> allowed is maybe a stretch, but you know. Yeah, commonly used, I should say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> See the boys. Uh, but anyways, I got one. Go I ahead. got one. And this is one uh, that's particularly relevant because uh, I have to make a disclaimer. A disclaimer I never thought I would have to on this show. Uh, because just the other day, we a couple weeks ago, I should start with, we recorded Chapter 3 with Aaron Rabbi, a.k.a. Aaron Rabinowitz as his full name. Do uh, you? I, I, don't know, I don't know how he feels he about does, his full he name. He does use his full okay, name. Okay, yeah. cool, just checking. He used to not, and now he uses the full okay. name. Okay. Um, but, uh, he's been a long time friend of the show. We had him on the old podcast a ton of times. Um, but I, I became aware when I was, uh, recording or, or editing that episode of the show just the other day, um, that it may come across as strange to listeners who are not familiar with Aaron, uh, when he does some particular humor, which he enjoys, um, uh, making fun of Ben Shapiro, uh, for perhaps related to his Judaism. <laughs> And I think the disclaimer I have to give for anyone who's unaware is that Aaron is Jewish. Uh-huh. Uh, you'll, when you hear the episode, because like just me listening to it and hearing him, I was like, oh God, we're going to get in trouble because yeah. we're going to have a first time listener listen to this show go, what the fuck? Bunch of fucking anti-Semites yeah. we Aaron, got here. Aaron is not a Nazi, just... No, the... no, Aaron is very much anti-Nazi, yeah. believe me that. But that's, uh, yeah, that, that was a weird thing that happened my week, and that's that's where my hot take comes from. <laughs> the hot take being what? Sometimes you have to say... <laughs> sometimes you gotta say that your friend is Jewish. I mean, I get so... that normally you're not supposed to tell people that, but sometimes you gotta yeah. let people know. All right, there you go. So, All right. Benedict, let's move on. What's on your bookshelf this, this week? This week I have... Well, I was... Ironically, RIP to RBG, obviously. I was uh, Oh Christ, we, let's, we, let's, yeah. I was gonna do that in housekeeping, yeah. but yeah. Well I was I was rereading the uh, the bit 
in the FDR biography about court packing and the logistics of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's good. I would read H.W. Brands' biography. It's called planning. Of, yeah. It's called planning at this point. Yeah, I would, I would read H.W. Uh, Brands' biography of, court, of uh, FDR called Traitor to His Class. About page 450, he talks about the court packing and, <laughs> and what went well and what went badly. Actually, FDR gets a bad rap for the court packing, but it kind of worked in the sense that the guy yeah. who needed... Obviously, he got a lot of public outcry for it, but the guy who he needed mm-hmm. to change his vote changed his vote. Yeah, I mean, and there's evidence that he changed basically before that. There's a whole thing with all these cases that were going through at the time yeah. with minimum wage laws and things. It's unclear, but I get what you're getting at. Yeah. Uh, it's good. Is that your suggestion? No, actually, FDR I have biography? another suggestion. <laughs> that is my actual suggestion. Um, but that bit of that book is good. And then also Frederick Douglass's biography by um, David Blight is really good as well. I just cited that recently. Um, obviously, everyone knows who Frederick Douglass is. Maybe I recommended this before. It's ringing a bell. But read it. It's good. Fre- 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 Frederick who? Oh, he's getting more and more attention these days. Yeah, getting, more and more attention yeah. these days. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's talking about him. Great guy, <laughs> great guy. Met him the other day. Really great. Incredible. What about you? Do you have a, uh, a a bookshelf for us? Yes, yes. In fact, I do. Um, so this is one that I picked up actually because it was uh, assigned for a class to read a couple of chapters from it, and I was just so enthralled. It's just so well written and incredible that I, I went and bought it and uh, started reading the rest. I haven't finished it yet. I want to know where it goes, but uh, this is a book called The Challenge by Jonathan Maller, okay. uh, and this is about Hamdi V. Rumsfeld, the 2000, I think 2004 case. That was the joke. I know where it goes because the case was decided. <laughs> uh, involving Neil Katyal, who was the Solicitor General of the United States. It's a case from before he was Solicitor General uh, in the Obama administration. Mm. Really incredible book about a very important case involving habeas corpus uh, in the United States and, and just an outstanding read, just incredibly well written in a way where, you know, a lot of times nonfiction can be dry, but when it's written in a really great narrative format, mm. um, it can be really entertaining to read. And I just, I was taken away by how entertaining this was to read. Okay, that sounds good. Yeah. Um, did you see court cases? You reminded me, triggered something in my brain. Random firing synapses in my brain. Court case, oh, you should talk about this. Um the how about this huh what about this thing? yeah, yeah. About this? it's literal whataboutism happening in my brain um in real time the um the muller deputy that wrote his book is yeah. floating around on twitter today it sounds like they just biffed it as it were that's what it sounds like yep uh i mean and why why does like, that happen yet, with so white collar crime it, but... so much it seems like prosecutors always more so... white collar crime <laughs> I think even more so than white collar crime, it was the incredible political implications of this case. Yeah. Um, and, and I think right the the point that came out, what you're talking about, this uh, person who was in the Mueller investigation is saying that we had enough to say that he had um, obstructed uh, justice, obstructed yeah. the investigation, but we we sort of just mealy mouth put it out there uh, without saying that out loud. Um, and he's arguing that they should have. I, I think he's right. I think they should have said, yes, he obstructed justice. Yeah. Um, I understand the pressures involved, though, in, in making that decision. Yeah, but you you have to know um, that when the when someone like Bill Barr is the, the head of the DOJ, you yeah. not saying that and being explicit about it is they're going to say yeah. the opposite explicitly. And then, and then there's Mueller, right, when Mueller was in front of Congress talking about it and not saying it even though apparently according to this guy basically they all knew it right that's i think that's less defensible 
Uh, anyways, on to housekeeping, and the only thing in housekeeping this week, because we don't, we don't really have any stuff about our show, but fucking RBG, man, um, we're fucked. We're totally fucked. Potentially. Potentially, yeah. yeah. The, the Republicans are going to ram through a new court nominee. I can guarantee you that much. Unless, because right now we have two senators who have said that they will not support. Um, That's it, though. There aren't going to be any more. Yeah. There, are, there need to be two more, right? And Romney's one potential, but he's has no spine. Um, and there's nobody else that anyone can think of who's even likely Do they, to say no. I, I forget the procedure on votes like this. For, for confirmation, does the VP still break the tie? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That would be the case. Um, so, yeah, we're fucked. Um, I mean, I, I want to just put a, a sta- basic statement out there that, right, bad shit is likely to happen because of this. And everyone's talking court packing, court packing, court packing. Okay, that depends, A, on Democrats winning the Senate, um, which is very much up in the air. Not 100% sure Far thing at all. Um, and, B, the political will to do it being there. And I think there's a lot of people who are still worried about something like that because of the potential blowback it could cause. Um, so who knows where it's going to go, but this definitely puts a lot of people in risk, mm. right? All sorts of rights are in danger because of well, probably going to be Amy Comey, Coney Barrett, who they, they nominate. Um, whoever they put on the court is going to just fucking eliminate rights because they're fucking assholes. Yeah. And the, AC, so, the ACA is probably going to go, right? Is, is, I, I think if they get one more conservative justice, yeah, the ACA Well, is it's gone. not even that. I mean, the, the, the court below. It was already in question. But the court below ruled um, against the ACA. So even if they don't confirm anyone, they're supposed to hear that case November, I think. So if it's a 4-4 yeah. decision, the lower court's decision stands, I think, yep, right? You correct me if I'm wrong. Well, so we would start, yeah, you're right. If it's a 4-4 decision, yes, lower court ruling would stand. Same thing if they deny cert, deny uh, writ of certiorari, which would be accepting the case to the court. That would also cause it to stand. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're, we're in a lot of trouble. And, like, I don't have any words that can make anyone feel better. Yeah. Right? I'm, I'm a third-year law student. Um, everyone I know, this is all we've talked about for the last, you know, couple of days since this happened. Yeah. And I mean, you texted me on Friday night cause I didn't have the news up. My girlfriend was over. We were getting ready to go to a, um, a rooftop barbecue thing. And, uh, I, I just texted back. Fuck. Yeah, in all I, I, I texted back fucking lowercase. And yeah. I, that's, that's how I opened my text. I have no words of wisdom. I have no advice. Yeah. I have nothing that makes this seem better. The only thing I can say is that it's going to take a lot of effort from a lot of people, including mm-hmm. all of us who can give to give to organizations that are going to fight um, for the rights of other people. The ACLU is always a great choice, right? Americans United for Separation of Church and State is another. Um, there's all sorts of good organizations that fight on behalf of people who are going to be at risk, you know. Uh, because of this um so yeah. we got to do what we can do and um we just have to sort of sit back and see where yeah. this goes for and now. you know stu- call your fucking senators stupid, that is one stupid thing. and minimalist as it might sound like i would just like to say like you and i are here for people as much as we we can be as well like yeah. you know <laughs> even if that's one person and we can make one person feel better or help one person do something like that please do like reach out to us with anything like anything we can do to help we Absolutely. are in quite Absolutely. a privileged position where we've never had our rights taken away by anyone. At least I haven't. Yeah. The Supreme Court has and never voted to. to take you and, away. You and I yeah. are at risk of basically nothing. Exactly. We have to point that out. Yeah. Right? You and I are at risk of losing basically nothing. Yeah. 
so what the fuck yeah right no i saw i mean um, someone posted that today i thought it was like if the supreme court has never had a vote on whether or not to take your rights away you're privileged right <laughs> like that's <laughs> that's the definition of privilege if the supreme court is, is not true. Yes. voting on whether or not your rights count well with all that out of the way benedict <laughs> yes why don't we return to our book review of the right side of history by ben shapiro america's least successful teaching cadaver <laughs> what did we read this week well kevin this week we read chapter two from the mountaintop in which nothing before moses counts or existed i think no yeah uh, that's right in ben's mind (laughs) he pays lip service to the existence of other things including i think he he really understands quite advanced civilizations that existed before and alongside jewish civilization Mm -hmm. And I think also a lot of a lot of this this chapter we're going to get into it. This is right. So this is all about Israel and Judaism. That's the the main thrust of the chapter. How it is uh, a foundation of Western civilization. Mm. But I think a lot of it relies on a the fact that we have far less information about a lot of those cultures yeah. and their religions and their societies, right? Uh, and b him just pretending as though all the things he lays out, which are the same between Judaism and those religions. Mm. <laughs> aren't the fucking well here's the thing like it the 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 thing actually is it's a pr war is what it is Mm -hmm. like things get preserved because you know constantine decided that he would convert to christianity and therefore judaism and christianity became super relevant across the world like it you know at the same time we'll get into it but like the cult of mithras was fucking huge at the time as well and that could easily have won that you know had a different emperor come to power at a different time it's a propaganda war is all it is and i'm sorry if people do believe in one of the major religions that's absolutely your call i don't care either way <laughs> my With full disclaimer you and i are both atheists yeah, so we have no stake in this i literally uh, no dog in this fight um mm-hmm. But I mean, I think he lacks the imagination to imagine a world where his particular religion didn't end up as one of the big ones, mm-hmm. right? If we lived in a society where uh, Greek religions had remained and become prominent, right, he'd be writing this book arguing about how fucking uh, Athena's laws are the laws of mankind the and clearly the core of Western stated, civilization. The clearly stated laws of mankind. Oh, clearly. Clearly stated, There's, of course. The, and that's the, that's the other leap we get. This is like... All he has to offer here is this is obviously true. Like, that's all he said. Like, this fits the way that I think about the world. Therefore, there's no other way to think about the world. It's, it's just exactly. a very, it's, it's an extremely boring point of view to me. Like, I don't even want to say narrow-minded because it's less than that. It's just like... <laughs> it's absent-minded. Not, not even that. It's just like so limiting right it's mm-hmm. just like you 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 claim to be approaching this great philosophical debate but you're limiting yourself to such a narrow view of what that constitutes anyway back to the jokes <laughs> benedict as you mentioned this tap chapter is titled from the mountaintop do you have an alternate chapter i sadly could not think of a better one in the time that i've been thinking about it i'm not gonna sing it <laughs> but all my head did it's called from the mountains top as you said and all my head will do is i love all the preamble to this alternate chapter title for you (laughs) (laughs) to the window to the wall from the mountaintop and you know the rest (laughs) 
Oh, I basically had to coerce you into actually using that you one. Did, yeah. I love it. Uh, I have two. You were like, that's have... so bad, but you have to use it. Yeah, okay. I have two this week. Right. Uh, one is in which Benny's second page invalidates the first. And so on and so on and so on and so on. And the second one is uh, the one where Ben fails to realize all religions are the same. <laughs> That's basically quite. what he's doing in this chapter. Not quite, but Abrahamic religions are largely the same at the risk of... Well, no, I think what, what I'm getting at with that is throughout this chapter, he tries to point out differences between mm. Judaism and the polytheistic religions that were around in the same region at the time. And he throws in some from other regions as well, right? He brings in Hinduism, I think, a little bit at one point. Um, but what he's ignoring or missing there is that the similarities between those religions far outweigh the oh, minor okay. differences, if any, that he's either conflating or imagining or pointing out that may possibly exist. Mm. Sure, let's do it then. So he starts off this chapter with, quote, Imagine a world in which you are a plaything of nature or the gods. You have a fate, but you have no true agency over it. You may seek to appease the gods through sacrifices, but they're as volatile and uncaring as other human beings. Those gods have invested kings and potentates with power. You are a commoner trying to scratch your life from the dirt. So he's describing reality, uh, even just replaced gods with, you know, reality yeah. there. And uh, societal yeah, yeah, we forces. Li um, we live in an uncaring universe. Yeah. So here's the thing with this. Does he think the God of Judaism doesn't do these things? <laughs> I know that's the one. <laughs> because you could argue that the Christian God doesn't in the New, Te the New Testament God, but the Old Testament God is a jealous God. Literally, mm -hmm. I mean, by yeah. by by his own words. Pretty sure he says it in there does, somewhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm a jealous God. It's. I think again, we're going to get to it, but I believe that's the first commandment. I'm a jealous right, God. That's not have no he, other gods. Like that paragraph I just read is his view of the ancient polytheistic world, right? Yeah. Which may be true in some extent to the cultures of Athens or Mesopotamia. Their view of the gods were often they were fighting and scrabbling with each other didn't really care about the day-to-day -day lives of humans. But then he says, quote, Now imagine everything changes. Imagine someone tells you that you are worthwhile. You, a mere commoner, scrabbling in the dirt. You're not a slave. You're a free and powerful human being with inherent value. Okay. You're no longer a cork on the waves of life. <laughs> You're captain of your own ship. Okay, Re religion <laughs> is literally often built on servitude and subjugation. That's what praying is. Right. Right, like, but I, I think one of the things I wanted to point out, right, is he's trying to con he compare that with the kings have all the power, and like, okay, I've I've read a good part of the Old Testament. I can't remember a ton of it, but there sure as shit were some kings and oh, religious leaders surely. who were invested with power from God. Famously, King Solomon, King David, uh -huh. yeah, famously. The other thing, also, I just can't get my head at like the um. The Monty Python thing, where it's like, we're not a monarchy, we're like, because some, <laughs> some bird from we're the lake. We're an anarcho-syndicalist <laughs> commune, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just can't, like, that. that is all I can think of when I read this, yeah. this bit. But he's saying that this is, this, this new description, right, that this is the Jewish and Christian God. And he makes a point of, of saying Jewish and Christian. Not as the he same God. Because he knows his audience. Necessarily. Not, well... I, I I think in the majority of congregations they would say probably. it's the same God. Probably. You're, to be fair. You're probably to be fair. right. But it's also the God of Islam. Pretty sure. True. I don't think they'd bring that one up no. though. Uh <laughs> they don't they don't also it's the same God the Mormon God, presumably? Right? Yeah, I, I, 
I, I think the Mormons would say so. Yeah. I think a lot of Christians wouldn't yes, say so. Yes, no, I agree. But you can't <laughs> just be like, oh, these are the two that we believe. I feel like. Uh, yes. Uh, the same God of uh, the Moonies. The Moonies. <laughs> Sun Young Moon. Uh, famously Jesus. Yep. Uh, so he, he tries to lay out now a few things that he says are the big changes that came with Judaism. So he says, first, Judaism claimed that God was unified, that a master plan stood behind everything. Second. I don't know that other religions didn't also think that. And I think also we don't necessarily have the full religious tracts of things yep. that existed contemporaneously because they were lost to the sands of time because they lost the PR war. Mm -hmm. I completely agree. And I think that's the point I was trying to get out yeah, earlier yeah. when I was talking about um, how we don't have a lot of the the uh, ancient writings and things that uh, would be needed to have a full yeah, view of what and those religions I mean, were even like. We talked about it with Aaron next week, but like we wouldn't have the writings of Aristotle had the the Islamic scholars not yep. preserved them. Like it, it it doesn't necessarily mean that the best ideas made it down through sorry the, the ideas <laughs> made it down the through ideas. history just by virtue of being the best ideas. It literally like it's a crapshoot until you get the printing press. It's literally what some monk decided to write down or like a, a cleric of some form. Cause most people couldn't write. Yeah. Or the one scroll that didn't burn yeah. in the fire. In right? the library like of Alexandria. That. Yeah, exactly. In the fire. Yeah, the, yeah exa exactly that. You're quite right. Yes. So he says, second, Judaism stated that human beings were held to particular behavioral standards for moral, not utilitarian reasons. Which I, again, again, same thing, just, same issue. Do, does he think people just went around murdering each other with no consequences before this? Like, I just... It, 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 and again, I like w one of the things that I would say about all of this, right, is that religion co-ops philosophy, philosophy and morals. It doesn't originate them, I, right? Yeah. It's not like anyone needed to be told, you know, punching bad. Because we understand what pain is. Yeah. We can understand through empathy and other ways. And you that also decide bad. that we, you, you understand that we live in a fucking society, even at this point, right? Like, that there are right. consequences to your actions. So the idea that punching bad develops into a moral, you know, a moral system of killing bad and other things bad, yeah. right? That something stems from that uh, is not ridiculous at all right and so that's where I, all these all these societies had basically punching bad written somewhere yeah that's I, I punching pretty, people we like bad pretty sure that's in the code of hammurabi punching Absolutely. bad if you punch i punch you like that's mm -hmm. a simple third form. third he says judaism claimed that history progressed that, rever that revelation was the beginning, but it was not the end. And that's going to be a big part of his argument throughout here, that basically every other religion, according to him, just saw everything as circular, which is false, and we'll get to it when we yeah. get to it. And also where my joke from the intro of the show this week came from. Are you going to keep and coming back to it like a circular joke? That would be good. <laughs> it is. Finally, Judaism claimed that God had endowed men with choice, that men were responsible for their choices, and that our choices mattered. Again, another yeah. thing that plainly existed in other areas yeah in religion in philosophy all over the place it's difficult because we don't have a huge amount of writing again we don't have a huge amount from this time like we just happen to have the torah and, and the talmud but like yeah from the 1500s bc or whatever he decides that he wants to define this period as 1313 bce he very says, weirdly specific belief is when the revelation at sinai yeah happened. sure whatever we don't have a huge amount from then beyond like myth 
right? Mm-hmm. That was written yeah. down much later. So it's just, it's very difficult to say, like, but for example, the, um, I think we talked about this when Aaron was on, which is next week, but I'm going to talk about it again now. Um, the, like, Achilles knew what his fate was going to be. He could either die a hero at Troy, and that's roughly contemporaneous. We think that's around 1000 BC. Um, he'd either die a hero at Troy or go back and, and live and live to old age, but fade into history as, as a nobody. Um, and he, cho- he made the choice to die as a hero at Troy in that fable. So like he had agency to decide his own fate in the same way that Ben says is unique to Judaism. I, I just don't think that's true. Absolutely. And I think it also goes back to the more, right. He says that there's no, um, moral underpinning, no, for behavioral standards in those ancient mm-hmm. religions. And I would say, again, the Achilles story is an example of that, right? Where plainly it's putting forward an idea of morality and that glory is a high moral ideal. It's something to strive mm-hmm. to. There's a moral purpose behind it. You, I mean, if you, ah! if you are from that school of philosophy, yes, I, I, I <laughs> not sure glory is my moral purpose, but you know, I, I understand where that might come from. So, he says that, though, today, in today's world, such contentions that he's been talking about are deeply controversial. Could I just and that, <laughs> quickly say yeah. that he's like, oh, Christianity did this and uh, focused more heavily on grace and then successfully spread the fundamental principles of Judaism. Okay, okay, cool, 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 cool. As amended by Christianity. Okay, so we're just not going to dwell on any of the differences. To billions mm-hmm. of human beings across the planet, how did we do that? How did... <laughs> It was yeah. at the end of a sword, yes. my friend. At the end of a yes, sword, full of grace, I believe, is how that was done. <laughs> Don't read things fall apart or any of the any of those books. That's yeah. but but he claims that Western leaders use phrases like Western values to remind people of moral purpose and that there's something special about the West. And then, in the, literally, the next sentence, the next paragraph, he says, "But those same leaders all too often attack the roots of those values." They portray religious believers as fools or bigots, mock them as anti-rational and backward, suggest that true enlightenment rests on the destruction of Judeo-Christian heritage. And it's like, okay, who? Who the fuck are you talking about that's constantly pinging off on Western values and suggesting we should destroy Judeo-Christian heritage? Yeah, it, it's nonsense. Of course he doesn't give us any examples no, of people who would no, do that. No, it's like nonsense. That. And I mean, if you, I'm, I'm sure if you pressed him, it would be, oh, AOC's a communist or whatever it is. But of it's course. it's just like... And again, I think that there's no useful explanation of how a divine plan can be as cruel as the world is, right? Like, you know... Mm-hmm. I. What kind of plan is has has given the world to be as it currently is? I mean, it's it's a fairly horrible world out there, Kevin. I don't know if you've noticed. <laughs> it's a mad, 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 Indeed. mad world, as a matter of fact. Uh, but so he goes on, and and I just there's a little shout out I wanted to give in here to where he's basically he throws in one sentence, and this spoke to me so much because I know exactly what he's throwing it in there for. Where he says, "Quote." They've argued that we are nothing more than victims of the systems into which we are born. We are inescapably earthbound. And that's his way of trying to um, tie, you know, fucking criticism of privilege and shit like that into this whole Western civilization notion he's building here. Yeah. So we get to the next subsection, the first subsection of this chapter, rather, which is titled God's Ordered Universe. And he starts off here, you know, he starts talking to us about how there was polytheism mm. before Judaism came along. That's good that he admits that. he actually... That. He actually makes a good argument by saying, quote, uh, talking about 
the vast majority of religions why they were polytheistic. He says, quote, that's not because polytheists were fools. It's actually because polytheism is sophisticated and natural in many ways, yeah. which is a, a sort of a mistaken acknowledgement that polytheism is actually more rational than monotheism. Yeah. I think it's kind of funny that he accidentally does that. Um, but he continues on and, and talks about his, you know the willingness to absorb strange gods, the way that it could explain bad things happening by different gods disagreeing or fighting or curses or that sort of thing, all those sorts of things. Um, and then he gets to <laughs> Judaism coming along, and he says, Difficulties only surfaced when one group assertively denied the very existence of other gods. This was the case with the Jews, who in consequence became the least tolerant of all ancient peoples, which I wrote in the margin, so much for the tolerant Jews. <laughs> Surely. <laughs> I mean, but that's the thing, isn't it? Like, that's, that's all of Hanukkah. Like, that was a minor religious dust-up between the Seleucid Empire and some, some Jewish populations within that empire where they rejected the secular humanism of the Greeks and were like, no, we're going to do our thing. Which, like, whatever, cool. But it was it was through a lack of tolerance, and polytheism tended to accept other gods. And interestingly, I mean, you get the spread to the Americas of the... It's actually why Christianity was so successful in spreading its message, because it generally wasn't... You can't... At least to start with, it was accepted as an addition to the pantheon a lot of the time and then obviously the other stuff came after that where you know native gods were rooted out and destroyed and the civilizations that worshiped them were <laughs> destroyed in a similar way a lot of the time but like you look at how the aztecs and some of the central american people ex just accepted christianity as part of the pantheon in some of the initial encounters with with christian missionaries it it does fit naturally into polytheism and then obviously yeah other things happen i do always <laughs> I do always find it fascinating in a lot of regions of the world, right, where Christianity was spread by, you know, various mission, you know, early on missions and things like that, um, or even, you know, at the edge of a sword, where they sort of combined Christianity with the, the religions that were there before mm. and end up with, you know, the sort of strange, I guess not strange, yeah, strange array of practices um, that exist in a lot of places. Yeah. I always find that that interesting. Well, it's, it's completely cultural as well, because I think in, in Polynesia somewhere that there is, you know, you have like the lamb of god and all that stuff and and like sheep tending a flock because obviously it's a very western centric thing or of places where sheep are but they they changed the metaphors to be about swine herds and and pig herds mm -hmm. to to fit the local culture which obviously do they have the pig sense. of god i don't think they have the do they have the pig it, of god Kevin, oh i would it would be the piglet of god if anything <laughs> Um, I love that. I love that. But you know, it, it, oh. you know, it, it it adapts. But that's the thing. Like it has to adapt sometimes, and it shouldn't be criticized for that. But you know, saying it's this one singular truth is just short-sighted at best. Right, and I think one of the challenges he faces in this book is that he has to be vague enough about a lot of this that his readers will, because his readers obviously, for the most part, have radically different views than himself, even if they're from just different sects of Judaism, or if they're, you know, various forms of Christians who are reading this book, they all have radically different ideas and views than Ben himself. Yeah. So, I think he has to be pretty vague about a lot of that stuff, and he doesn't give us a lot of detail throughout this chapter about a lot of these things, just speaks in generalities and a lot of platitudes. Mm. But he continues on, and he's going to continue with that argument that uh, 
somehow flipping this around without ever actually addressing it, that monotheism is actually a more logical way to look at the universe. So he says that a prime mover, a singular god, instead of a myriad gods, would require that logic govern the universe, a predictable set of rules discernible by the human mind. He then says, immediately after that, there are no such obvious rules. <laughs> yeah. I guess just invalidating his own religion. Yeah. Then. Again, continually doing that. Yeah. I, yeah. I didn't notice that, but yeah, you're right. And again, right, this is just a, a giant leap. And of course, it's based on his religion that uh, there ha that this is the case, that there would have to be a logic that governs the universe and it would have to be coming from a god, whatever the case might be. I can, just off the top of my head, imagine a religion that has the same thing with multiple gods. Yeah. Look, I just did it. I just imagined that religion. Yeah. Ah. In fact, you don't need any of this stuff. It's just an argument that comes from nowhere. Yeah, that's true. And then the next thing that I noticed was he, he goes in and says, finally, polytheism is rooted in a hard-headed belief in that which we can see, which is kind of a meaningless thing to say. And then he gives a meaningless quote to support it from, from <laughs> Chief Rabbi Jonathan Sachs. He says, the pagan perceives the divine in nature through the medium of the eye. And so, nice. yeah, like what? So like <laughs> people see things and are like, oh, God did that. Well, that's literally like, like that is what most religions like if i'm walking with some of my friends and they're like oh this is divine you know it, it's not that's not unique to polytheism and also it's meaningless people see the divine in everything it's not up to you to say that's divine that's not you can't see the divine in a mountain because that's not what you should you know that's nonsense people can see if he also I, I get what you're saying, but also I wanted to point out that it's the same thing where he's ignoring the fact that pe the similarities between polytheistic religions of the time and Judaism, wherein I'm sure there were plenty of religions who said, well, we can't know everything. We can't know all the divine. The gods are unknowable, blah, 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 all this kind of stuff, right? They didn't claim to know everything about all of the gods, all these various stories or whatever. Yeah. So it's just, it's ignoring, again, relying on the fact that we don't know everything about all those ancient religions to make this argument about nothing, really. Yeah, and again, like, the myth of Icarus tried to get too close to the gods, got too close to the sun, and fucking died. Like, again, <laughs> this is, you can find Greek myths for most of this stuff. So he does a little bit more boilerplate talking about ancient religions, the how the Mesopotamians had plenty of gods and built ziggurats, and the Egyptians had different creation myths based in different major cities. And he says that Judaism denied all these t central tenets of polytheism, of which he hasn't really laid out. But he goes on to say that, quote, furthermore, Judaism claimed that God had rules and that he abided by those rules. And just which I just have to say again, polytheism doesn't claim randomness, but multitudinal directors of the order, right? Yeah. Different gods with different motivations who may obey different rules. I, I would just point out here, because you just skipped over it, and we, we talked about it before we started recording, I think, that he, he talks about the first commandment, right, of, of the Ten mm -hmm. Commandments. And he says, yeah. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. And I just, I think it's worth focusing on there, the language of that. Because we read that and that is read in a modern context as, and I'm far from a biblical scholar. I am just interested mm. in language. Far, 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 far. Or a Talmudic <laughs> scholar or whatever you want to call it. But the, the, the choice to say before me there 
implies the existence of other gods to me at least right the 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 logical thing to take from that is not god was the first and the last the creator which is what he that's his takeaway but you shall have no other gods before me is like i'm the main god to me so like it it, is there some and i you know maybe barking up the wrong tree there's I, i get what you're getting at there is a good amount of scholarship that the origins of judaism are in polytheism or that at there least was, accepted it, it to some degree at some point in the history of it, right? Like, right, exactly. All right, and so that, and I know that people will probably say if anyone gets angry about this that that is a translation of the Hebrew sure. and it may not be. Compl- I I don't know all. But that. he's chosen to quote know, that, and it doesn't yeah, lead I, to the conclusion <laughs> that he he says it leads to. Yes, but I do know that there is a good amount of scholarship on the polytheistic origins of Judaism. Okay, right. So it would make sense to me that that is an indication of that. And I have read in the past that that is an indication of that. I just don't want to claim to be an expert no, and as though I know from, everything about from. it. Far from. I just, I'm interested because, in and, language. And, but, <laughs> but we can, just using basic logic, deduce that, yeah, a, a monotheistic religion with ha- that when every religion we know before that is polytheistic must have originated out of those polytheistic religions and developed over time. Or, yeah, at least, you know, had a re- evolved from them in some way, yeah. He continues on in the next pages, talking about uh, Abraham arguing with God over right and wrong, the idea of morality, God's morality, where it comes from, all that stuff. He says, quote, In a chaotic world with no master moral virtues, the story of Abraham would make no sense. Which I would have to say, again, you can compare that to any number of polytheistic stories where someone discusses morality with the gods or gets orders about morality with the gods. It's not like the fucking Achilles arguing with the fates, right? Yeah. All this sort of shit. All the, the various machinations of the gods in the Iliad and the Odyssey. Yeah, definitely. Definitely that. And you, you know, you've got, I mean, again, like the, you essentially have the biblical um, flood story in, in Greek mythology as well. Of, of various and, Okay, and here's, like, here's something that threw me off. And I just want to bring this up now because you mentioned the flood. I don't know if you picked this up in reading this book, but... I was not under the impression that Benny is a biblical literalist and that he believes the flood story actually happened. But he gives indications in this chapter that he does believe that the flood story is real yeah. and actually happened. I don't, or at I least actually, he, wrote, I don't know. he wrote poorly enough that it made it seem as though he does. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know his, his beliefs on this. It wouldn't surprise me. So the only other thing on these two pages we're looking at right now that I picked up is where he wrote, quote, the notion of a moral universe is a Judaic creation. To which I have to say, Ben, you haven't read your next chapter where you talk about the Greeks and their idea of a moral universe. Yeah. Um, Another question I have on on this couple of pages. So he says near the bottom of page 25 now. Finally, Judaism rebuked the notion of a corporeal god in ringing fashion. Doesn't he manifest a few times? Uh, I, I mean, like the burning bush, stuff like yeah. that. The, is, it, uh, is it always oh, oh, angels? Somebody, th- 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 somebody, somebody threw a foreskin. Somebody threw a foreskin and tricked God. Doesn't he wrestle um, someone? Or is that an angel? I think so. Yeah, I think maybe. I don't know. I do know somebody threw a score, th- uh, threw a foreskin and tripped God. So there you go. possibly, again, it goes back to that origins of Judaism and how obviously the philosophy of the religion has changed over time. Uh, and not being an expert in any of that, I have no idea how that particular area of their philosophy has changed over the centuries. It, it may have been uh, an angel. 
but it may have also been God. I don't know. Okay. No, it we says don't Jacob know. wrestles with the Lord. I don't know. T- TBD. TBD. Let us know. TBD, if bro. you know, <laughs> tell us. <laughs> Love to have an audience. You know all the Talmudic yeah, scholars exactly. who listen to this show. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we get to the next subsection, which is entitled God's Expectations for Man. And again, he starts off by saying that before the Bible, man was merely cosmic chattel, a speck being brooded about by the forces of the divine. The gods expected little of man beyond simple bribery. There was no linkage between what we would deem moral behavior and divine expectation. Well, if you ignore that Everything. moral behavior was living in accordance with what the gods wanted, yeah, yeah, which is the same as Judaism, yeah. Yeah, it's just I would the, argue it's just a on a broad thing. level. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> surely. And yeah, he, he then says that the gods were arbitrary. Like, okay, but like, if, you, if you're not Jewish, then so is your God. Like, what, <laughs> what's the no pork thing? What's the no shellfish thing? Like, that's, there's, no, there's no reason for that other than like saying they're unclean, obviously, which is, sure, you believe that. Maybe your God teaches that. That's fine. But like, that doesn't make it not arbitrary just because you happen to believe that that's the truth as revealed by God. That is an arbitrary thing. Yeah, and I mean, I would go beyond that a little bit to say he does say that uh, they expected bribery, which I got to say, like, what he's referring to there, and he talks about this a little bit later in the chapter, is like ritual sacrifices, Mm. which do you even Deuteronomy, bro? Yeah. Like fucking ritual sacrifices also, in there is, too, isn't man. Isn't that the whole thing with Abraham and his fucking kid? Like, yes! That's, <laughs> yes, it is. That, Again, this is just him not realizing that these religions are the same. Also, just him forgetting that he just wrote about Abraham. Like, just now. <laughs> like, Abraham was fresh in my brain when I read this. And I was like, that's not, that doesn't. Okay, cool. All right. But he, he says that basically, because there's a, a singular God, there's a singular standard for behavior. That's how his argument is going to As continue. opposed to a poly standard for behavior? Like, it's bizarre. I, I mean, a poly standard for behavior sounds much better. Much better. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Something about monogamy. Some joke about monogamy. Throw <laughs> it in there. That's nothing. Uh, yeah, so, so, but he says, quote, Polytheism argued that the gods were holy, and thus human beings ought to serve them. Judaism argued that we ought to be holy in imitation of God. And that's actually where I wrote, do you even Deuteronomy, bro, <laughs> uh, in my thing. Because, right, it's, that is, there is a lot of serving God. In Christianity, I'm 100% sure that serve God is fucking hammered into your head. Yeah, that's I grew up with Saint that. St. Paul, right? That's essentially. Right. right. And I'm sure it exists in Judaism as well, right? All the rituals, all that sort of stuff. And, but that be holy in imitation of God, again, goes back to, I think you can compare that to ancient polytheistic religions, mm. that there were gods who were to be moral examples, right, uh, for, for the people. And again, he's going to talk about this later, too, where kings were gods, religious leaders were, were divine or holy, same thing that happens in Judaism. But he talks about it in the context of polytheism, and people were expected to live in accordance and with those people as examples. Yeah. I don't think there's really a difference. He's trying to make a difference where there is not yeah, a distinction also, without a difference. You know, you look at the, the history of Judeo-Christian societies. I mean, there's not really a difference between a God King Pharaoh and mm. a Catholic monarch that claims they're ordained by God as like God's rep or yeah. the fucking Pope, honestly. Or King David yeah, exactly. or fucking anybody. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, 
it's essentially you've created a polytheistic system within by fitting monotheism into onto a monarchical society because yeah. all you've done is say instead of saying the king is god you say he's ordained by god which amounts on earth to the same thing same consequences at the very yeah, least right exactly and that he can do wh whatever he it, wants and it's... say it's god's will like and i would just say right the distinction that that i think needs to be made is that well not a distinction the distinction i think he almost tries to make in this chapter is between kings and religious leaders which i don't think is a worthwhile uh difference Certainly i don't think there's anything there for much of the because history either of... way you're saying this person is ordained by god it's just a matter of which person which person yeah. do we have to listen to but he wants yeah. to pretend as though there's a difference there. So we get to the next subsection, which is entitled God, the force behind progress. And this is where we get his time is circular without God thing, yeah. <laughs> which I find so hilarious. So he says, quote, history in many cultures has no beginning and no end. Greek thought saw the universe as permanent and moving in circular fashion. History would recur, grow and decay. There could be no vision of a progress in human history an inexorable movement toward a better time or a messianic era. Mm. I would argue to the contrary. I mean, uh, you read Plato, man? Like, the laws depicting humanity's progress from he the state of nature. It's to, in the next chapter. I, I, I know he has. The statesman also has an account of progress of mankind. What he's doing is picking out one concept. Uh, and again, this is just uh, his reductionism of always picking the one thing that's best to his argument and pretending as though the entirety of that culture is dominated by that one thought, mm. uh, which I can understand given that there is no diversity of thought mm. among right-wing uh, circles these days, and Benny is a pretty huge part of that. Yeah. So I can completely understand how he's fallen into that trap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I have a couple of things here, just just in the sense of like beyond even what you were saying is like he talks about the circularity. That's a much more interesting and satisfying explanation for the world, mm -hmm. to my mind, of like things are circular. Therefore, like you will live forever, but in different forms, like the Buddhist way of looking at things of, mm -hmm. you know, it, it, it's much more interesting than the hey, we're going to judge you for the 60 years you spend on Earth and that will be your eternal judgment and you will have to live with that forever rather than... You like... know what it is? You know what it is? I think Ben got really into the 2012 Mayan apocalypse <sighs> and saw that calendar they have that was a big circle. It's a cool calendar. They all think it's a circle! Yeah, it's a cool calendar. But then, <laughs> you know I always get hang up on the Greek stuff because this is literally mm -hmm. my jam oh, like oh you're gonna bust out some xenophonies yeah maybe maybe xenophon yeah not xenophon the gods did not reveal to men all things in the beginning but men through their own search find in the course of time that which is better yes direct quote indeed but no that when he gets onto the iliad and he says like in mm -hmm. horror the gods routinely intervene <laughs> to save their favorites and even take sides in the war based on their own interests as if the jewish god doesn't do that in all the wars that the jews fight in the in the in the bible yeah. it's bizarre and then he but and then he, the... he dismisses it as like oh well the trojan war didn't matter like what <laughs> the trojan war manifestly did matter in the sense that it it cemented greek superiority in the region when there was a rival civilization rising up in turkey that could have displaced greek civilization absolutely did matter if your argument in this book is that 300 years later greek civilization was crucial to the sprouting of western civilization if they had lost the trojan war you think that might have had a bit of a course on history if the trojans had then attacked the greeks as revenge for for defeating even, them at the siege of even Troy? taking 
even taking the Iliad as just a purely uh, a work of fiction, it right? It probably wasn't. Pret- yeah, I, I know you're right. Probably a real place, probably a real, real war, Definitely probably a real blah, place. Blah, blah. Maybe but, but imagine, details fuzzy. Imagine, look at it as just fiction. Look at it as just fiction. How can you say the Trojan War didn't take on historic importance? Yeah. Just looking at how that's important, that fucking story yeah, is. Yeah, the fact that it is in your shitty book shows how important that is. Like, yeah. you keep having to bring up the Trojan War because it was so important to Greek thought. But he, I mean, he argues that the Bible has a different view. God exists outside of time. And again, he ignores all the things you brought up about how God is routinely, both in Judaism and definitely in Christianity, 100% Christianity, they believe that God is constantly intervening. And it goes back to something, and we'll take a little bit of a detour here. Because we didn't really talk about this with Aaron, but Aaron, um, and he has long ago convinced me that free will is an illusion. Mm. Uh, but he's basically a believer in moral luck, right? Which is the general idea that you're a you're a creature of circumstances, right? You had no control behind anything that uh, happened to you. Those inform your future uh, decision-making. Free will is an illusion. You're just created by circumstance. Even in Benny's idea of Judaism or Christianity or whatever is the case, he believes his God is all-knowing and all-powerful and created everything, mm. right? Therefore, that God knew everything that would ever happen at the moment of creation. Yep. And everything that will ever happen is part of that God's master plan. Yep. That includes everything you ever think, everything you ever say, everything you ever do. Yep. Because otherwise, if God didn't know any of that, he wouldn't be the divine creation that Ben thinks him to be. Therefore, yeah, there I'm... is no free will because everything is according to his plan. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, th- th- this is the you can uh, you can fall down this trap with Newtonian determinism as well, I mm-hmm. think, and uh, <laughs> that you can do this with science as well, equally well. Um, but yeah, I mean, there there is a version of of God where that's not true, and it's a reactive God. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not the God that Ben believes. In. But but that would be yeah, that would be a God that is not all knowing. Yeah, and and, and certainly not you know that's not a God that is against the theory that you're a cork floating down the river, right? Exactly. Which, which is what exactly. Ben insists that the, the God of his Judaism is. Yeah. But he does, and this is the passage we get to where I think that Ben is a biblical literalist and believes the flood story actually happened, where he says, quote, When God intervenes in the world, it is to better the lot of mankind or to teach lessons. God inserts himself in history by preserving Noah and his family. He restrains himself from stopping history ever again by destroying his creatures. He said history, inserts himself in history, Mm. not in the story. So by my reading of that, Ben thinks the flood story is a real thing that actually happened where the entire world was wiped out by a giant flood. Possibly, possibly. I I don't know another way to read that unless Ben Ben somewhere in this chapter that I missed said it's a a bunch of stories meant to teach lessons. Yeah. Which I didn't read. No, but he, he, so I I don't really understand what he means by he restrains himself from stopping history ever again by destroying his creatures. Uh, Let me explain this to you in the way that the child's Bible I had when I was about eight years old did. God made a rainbow as his symbol of the promise to never do it again. Okay. That's... (laughs) That's my recollection okay. Okay. of what that means. Yes. 
cool. Is that, uh, is that where the t- dinosaurs went to? Just out of interest? Is that... Oh, oh, we could spend so much... And you know what? We really should someday do like a Young Earth creationist book. Okay. Because even if we have religion, listeners who are, are religious... um. No young Earth creationist would listen to this show. <sighs> they are hardcore right wingers, um, and that would be so much fun. And I, I have spent much of my life following that nonsense and reading about it. And yes, they believe that the flood wiped out the dinosaurs cool. five thousand years ago. Awesome. <laughs> oh wait, no. Is it that the Earth is five thousand years? I don't remember the timeline exactly. The Earth is, I believe, but uh, five thousand years old. They believe that humans lived with dinosaurs and wrote. I mean, come on. There's a fucking ark park yeah, in yeah. Tennessee or it's wherever old, where they. It's a big old ark. <laughs> yeah. They're doing well with it. <laughs> They're doing very poorly with yeah. it, which is very entertaining to me. Uh, but he says, "quote The story of history is the story of God's romance with His chosen nation," which is another point where you brought this up a little bit earlier, right? Where he's trying to make a difference between the paganist, polytheistic gods and the monotheistic god of Judaism, mm. claiming that, right, um, those gods were all you know, fickle and prone to whatever they wanted. And this, I think, is an example of how, again, the Judeo-Christian god is the same as those polytheistic gods. He had a chosen nation. Yeah. The implication of that is he didn't give a fuck about the other ones. Yeah. Well, I mean, or cared about them less. Yeah, it's also, it's less that he had a chosen nation and more that they had a chosen god. As, as is always with with these things, you know, it's yeah. it, you know, you know how it goes. Like the <laughs> the Greek gods didn't care about the Spanish Celtiberians, right? Because neither of them knew the yes, other. Yes, I I am fully aware of that group of peoples that you referenced <laughs> because I I also have a degree in that stuff. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean. Like there's you there's just no connection between the Greek the all powerful Greek gods as they're seen and mm. the spanish celtiberians like oh this this set of gods that lives in this bit of the world just happens to only care about these people it's just like it's yeah. it's the same thing you know it is slightly ridiculous right why did why did uh why did they never go over to china yeah why did why did why did uh abraham or uh jesus never make it over to china or japan or india or any of those kind of well, places st thomas allegedly or doubting thomas made it over didn't he to uh, to india at least i reckon allegedly yeah, yeah. allegedly i don't think that's true though go ahead so he he continues on this subsection there's really very little left there right the story of humanity is a story of romance between god and a strange yeah. nation and um, by the way he, none of that is again none of that is outside the realm of greek or norse myth Exactly, mm. right? The the gods were angry with all those polytheistic cultures if they didn't follow their god. Yeah. And that's why bad things happen. Yeah, right? literally again, a lot of the time. No difference. Uh, but he brings up this one, this one long block quote here um, as sort of, I think, the only real evidence he puts in this of this whole idea that history can only progress because uh, there's a god. Mm. And he quotes what he calls historian Paul Johnson, which I have to note, not a historian. Uh, he's a popular historian. See, basically the same that. as fucking... <laughs> See, <laughs> okay, you're offended because you're a writer uh, <laughs> who likes to do historical fiction. No, he is not a historical fiction writer. He's someone who writes those books that my dad gets uh, about sure. how America's, 
you know, founding fathers were this, that, and the other. But they're not. Th- these are not people who studies yeah, history th- seriously. Th- there's nothing wrong with popular history. Like I think Mike Duncan, who does the Revolutions podcast, you would be categorized as a popular historian. Mm-hmm. You can still be thorough and well researched as a popular. I I agree. But let me read you from this selection to show that I don't think this guy is thorough and Let's well researched. Where he says, "Quote: No people." And this is from Paul Johnson, as quoted by Ben Shapiro. No people has ever insisted more firmly than the Jews that history has a purpose and humanity a destiny. At a very early stage in their collective existence, they believed that they had detected a divine scheme for the human race, of which their own society was to be a pilot. They worked out their role in immense detail. They clung to it with heroic persistence in the face of savage suffering. The Jewish vision became the prototype for many similar grand designs for humanity, both divine and man-made. The Jews, therefore, stand right at the center of the perennial attempt to give human life the dignity of purpose. Pretending that only Judaism gives a dignity of purpose, and again, ignoring the existence of all other religions, including ones that are much older than Judaism, Mm. like Hinduism and Buddhism, that give people purpose, is ridiculous. And ahistorical. Yeah. Is Buddhism older? I thought that was younger. I'm sure I don't know. I'm sure I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I guess I've always assumed Buddhism is older, just because we uh, we sort of uh, associate uh, Buddhism with China, which is pretty fucking old. I think it was India, uh, but I'm Siddhartha actually not sure. Was, Siddhartha was actually fourth, four, you're, you're right. Yes, yes. Uh, fourth century CE so, or, or BCE. So not older. Uh, but there are, but of course, it, it combines, it combines older practices of sure. the region, right? Hinduism, obviously older. Yep. Um, and there are a variety of religions from that region that are much older, uh, than Christianity or Judaism or any of those. Mm-hmm. But we get to the next subsection. He just, he just ends with that block. Yeah. For no the analysis. And that's it. Nope. Uh, so we get the next subsection, which is titled the most important verse in human history. Oh, and it opens with a wild sentence that just, there is no evidence for. <laughs> Polytheism left little room for the individual to make his way in the world. What? Yeah. Well, he then says, this wasn't true for rulers who were ranked among the gods themselves. Sure. It's not like, you know, great rulers in Judaism were given special status. <coughs> David. Um, so, but he, his basic argument here is that all the commoners had no freedom of action. They all had to listen to what the pharaoh or the king or whatever the case uh, may be. As opposed to the case to is now and historically in Western civilization. Exactly. Never had to listen to the king. Never had to listen to the nope. oligarchs. Never had to listen. It's not just basic power brokering in society. Nope, not at all. Not at all. It's actually something different. He says, quote, next, quote, Epic heroes of the ancient myths are identified with the gods. Commoners never even appear in these narratives. Yeah, because we've lost the narratives about the commoners because they weren't as important. This is true. Also, would you like to point out to me where the commoners are in the Bible? Yeah. I mean... I don't recall very many... And and he would write... Thinking back to... Again, we keep going back to the Iliad and the Odyssey because I think those are the two that you and I are most familiar with. But, right, there's plenty of commoners who are, like, side characters in yeah. those stories, right? Yeah. They don't, they're not often named characters or they're not often, you know, like dwelled upon for long, but there might be someone who comes in and has a line who is obviously like a fucking commoner. Yeah. Well, the, I mean, the other thing is, you know, where do you they draw the they line? They don't deny that commoners existed. Where do you draw the line too? Because I mean, like you look at old societies, like you have eunuchs, you have that, that often were climbers within a society. You have, you know, the priest, the priest class, like which often people went into from a non-regal background. Like it, it's it, it it doesn't mean 
you're born a commoner. I, I'd argue it's less, actually, even less, like, your station in life is, is determined by your stars, whatever it might be. I, like, right. I, I just and, and I don't buy it as a story. Like, Well, but even following his argument, right, that Judaism went on through Christianity, Christianity spread the core tenets of Judaism, and this obviously is one of the core tenets he's saying was spread by Christianity— I have to bring up what I know I've brought up already, which is the fucking great chain of being. Yeah. Right, which was the idea throughout much of the medieval ages that your status in society is fixed. Yep. And that the king is appointed above you by God. Yeah. Right? You can't you can't say this stuff without la- you can't write this stuff he's writing without laughing if you take just a bare minimum of amount of time to think about yeah. it. Yeah, and I I I do wonder whose side he would have been on in the English Civil War. <laughs> which was literally an argument about the divine rights of God and how far you could push those. Divine right of kings. Yeah. Where the fuck do you think we get that phrase? That's what I meant. Sorry, divine right of kings, <laughs> not divine right of God. Um, right. Yeah, and, uh, you know, similarly with the French Revolution, I know he wasn't on the side of the Jacobins or even the Girondins in the French Revolution. Um, I'm pretty sure he's firmly, firmly Team Louis. I'm pretty sure he only knows about the Jacobins from Jacobin magazine. Uh-huh. Uh, and he does not have a high opinion. <laughs> no, no. So he says next, concluding, you know, moving on, talking again about the ruling caste, how apparently in his view of how history worked, they were always given the power of free will. But now with Judaism, everyone, every one of us has the value, the, the free will, and he calls it the value of choice, which is a, a dumb way to phrase that yeah it's just a bad phrasing i I also just i we're gonna get to this i'm sure but like this just doesn't he has spent this entire chapter shitting on essentially greek modes of thinking and then Mm -hmm. he's going to go into the next chapter and be like but the greeks were great and actually (laughs) really really in their their thinking really and also like who does he think plato was plato wasn't a king like, oh, but Plato, no. Plato had no means to advance himself in society. Socrates had no means to advance himself in society. Socrates was murdered by the state. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, though, right, both of those people, like, I don't know uh, it, what we know about their personal history, right? I'm assuming they were born to, to good families with money I and, mean, in and the, wealth they and could read, yeah. Yeah. Also, I'm pretty sure the literacy in ancient Athens was much higher than it would have been in uh, in in medieval Christendom. Pop- possible, very much possible. But we should mention, right, that the the phrase he's ta- he's calling the most important uh, verse in human history is Genesis 1:27. "Quote: God created man in His image; in the image of God He created him. Male and female He created them." That does not say any of the things that Ben is trying to extrapolate from it. And I know, I'm well aware, that religious authorities have extrapolated the message that he's putting in here from that. But there's no reason to. There really isn't. It's really another example of trying to co-opt philosophy and morality into religion rather than originating it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Um, it, it it is often about that co-opting rather than the the actual it, it it's retrofitting a lot of the time. You can't just if you're someone who knows nothing about Judaism, about philosophy, about any religions, and you but you have for some reason you know how to read, uh, and you read that phrase, you don't end up with any of what there's what Ben is saying comes from that phrase. Yeah. There just isn't. You have to have you have to include the entire 
history of these religions and how they interacted with one another and how they came up with these ideas, right? But he's just pretending that that comes straight from that phrase. Yeah. Again, there's not much left in this chapter. It's a very, or this subsection, it's a very short subsection. Um, and he talks about Cain killing Abel and God telling Cain not to, but Cain doing it anyway, I suppose. And then in Deuteronomy, he gives this, uh, this section from Deuteronomy. And this is his argument of why we have free will. And this is, this is one of those, those areas where he sees it set forth, where it says, quote, See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. That's not a free will statement. That's a threat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I hadn't read it that way, but that, that is, uh, that's... <laughs> that's how I read it, man. So we get to the next subsection, which is entitled, What Jerusalem Tells Us and What It Doesn't. Mm. And I think, I mean, he's going to keep doing this. He does this for most of the chapters that we've read so far, where at the end he gets to what it tells us and what it doesn't. He did it with Athens. He did it with uh, whatever we talked about last chapter that I'm blanking on. But he goes back to that, that fourfold idea he has for what we must have for happiness. Individual purpose, individual capacity, communal purpose, and communal capacity. Mm -hmm. And he asked, what does Judaism have to say about those? Individual purpose, simple. He just says, fucking, it, you know, God says to uh, follow his standards for behavior. Again, same as basically all religions, that there's standards for behavior. Mm -hmm. And then an individual capacity, he says that the Bible speaks clearly as well, that we are free agents with the capacity to choose sin or holiness, and that we have the obligation to do so. And this is a skipping down a little bit to this quote. Quote, in terms of science, this notion, the notion of a predictable, God, predictable, discoverable God, is vital. The assumption of regularity in the universe's rules is vital for the development of Western civilization and for the development of science in particular. The entirety of science is based on the notion of looking for universal rules that govern the world around that's us. That's utter chunk. If the like that, that's literally <laughs> shark food. Like it, it, it means nothing. Like the, uh, in the next chapter, he's going to say that the Greeks invented science. So, like, right. I, it's hardly godly. And the other thing is, well, like, he, he, humans look for patterns. We're, like, that is what we've evolved to do. Like, the Egyptians built the pyramids without believing in the Judeo-Christian God. Like, it, it's... And that requires science, as does a lot of the Mayan civilization <laughs> and, and Aztec civilizations' architectural products. Like, just because they didn't have, like, the fucking wheel, they still had science. Like, they built... You see those temples? That requires some level of engineering and understanding You ever seen a ziggurat, bro? Yeah. You ever seen exactly. one? Exactly. But no, I, I brought that up exactly because of what you just said, because we've already recorded... The, we, we focus so much on that Greek chapter because we already recorded it, yeah. which I think was good, because now we can look at the stuff he said before and know how ridiculous it is looking at what he's going to say to come. But he says the reason he got to that passage was he was saying that the Bible makes it clear that our job is to use our minds to discover God. Mm. So that's where he gets to that. And again, you are right. He does say in the next chapter that it was the Greeks who created science, you're also correct that he's wrong about yeah, that. Yeah, I debated right? that. So you'll see in the next chapter it's debatable. In our modern conception, yeah, we do often give a lot of credit to the Greeks for creating science. And they deserve a lot of the credit. But that's not to say that there wasn't any method of investigation or discovery or experimentation before that. It just wasn't written about a lot. Or we don't have a lot of those writings left still. Or that we'd be relatively nowhere without the, again, Islamic influence and the invention of yeah. the number zero. Like, and, and again, I would point out that other cultures 
cultures that had zero contact with Judaism or the Greeks also developed similar things at the Famously, same time China or earlier. was pretty advanced at the time. Exactly. And that's that's the thing where I get to where his whole notion that this is the undergirding of Western civilization. In the next chapter, right, when he talks about science, he talks about how it's the Greeks that gave us science. Well, there are many different types of science, and they develop spontaneously in different areas at different times. And this just drives me so fucking nuts that he never bothers to address that. And I guess I should have expected that going into this book. Maybe he gets to it. We know that he talks about China when he brings up communism later. Yeah. Apparently that's, that's the when first China time he brings up China. Yep. <laughs> but I just, I'm, I'm slightly frustrated because I think, and maybe this is just me, I expected more out of Ben. Given his reputation, I think I expected a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's certainly not unfair. I Again, like, this is such a step up from Donald Trump Jr. that I'm just, like, happy to be here. <laughs> um, you are 100% right. And at least I get to talk about Greek myths sometimes and etc. That's true. So talking about communal purpose, one of the other elements of his happiness equation, um, he basically doesn't have a lot to say, right? People are to be communities. You know, the Jewish people are blessed by God. That's the community, apparently. Yeah. So, uh, that's that, it. Again, no, no, no questions. <laughs> doesn't fit into Ben's conception of Western civilization. Western civilization it isn't blessed. It's Judaism that's blessed mm. in his conception of Western civilization. It just doesn't make sense to try and fit it all in. Yeah. And also, I just want to throwing back to um, the whole uh, circular time notion, because he brings it up here again for basically no reason. Um, does he know that other cultures had their own dating systems? Because he brings up uh, a quote from Martin Luther King when he, again, keep King out of your goddamn mouth, um, talking about the moral arc of history comment, right? Quote. And he, he points out that the context of that was he did bring up Jesus and said, quote, evil may so shape events that Caesar will occupy a palace and Christ a cross, but that same Christ will rise up and split history into A.D. and B.C. I don't know if Ben knows that, like, the Greeks had their own dating systems or, like, yeah. other cultures I'm sure he had does. their the, the, own dude, dating systems. It was systems. just Rosh Hashanah. Like, we, he definitely <laughs> knows that. Also, the other thing is, like, again, I don't know if he just thinks his audience is, doesn't know this, but I feel like he must know that they know that Martin Luther King Jr. was pretty famously irreverent. Like, oh, guess guess who believed in Jesus? <laughs> Martin Luther King. Gotcha, Libs. Like, yeah, he's the reverend doctor, Martin Luther King Jr. Wow. Also a fucking socialist, bro. Yeah, you want to exactly. bring that part up? You know yeah. who else was a socialist? Jesus. <laughs> but he says next, quote, if history has a direction, it does so only if we have faith in a God who stands at the end of it urging us forward. To which I have to say, I have no faith in any God standing at the end of it, and my conception of history is still directional. Yeah. I don't know how that works. There's a moral arc don't know that how we're that on, works. and then no God guiding us. So. But then he gets into a little bit here, trying to throw in this whole, right, because he's always got to do this, big government, small government bullshit. Mm. He can never resist. Where he says, quote, Judaism is ambivalent at best about the notion of state power. And then one of the examples he threw in there <laughs> was, the prophet Gideon explicitly declines to rule over the Jews, stating, I will not rule over you, nor shall my son rule over you. The Lord shall rule over you. Again, that ignores all of the long line of Jewish rulers throughout yeah. history who were appointed by God. Yeah. Yep, famously. There are some really famous Drive ones. Drive me nuts, man. Pos and possibly the most famous in David and Solomon are two of the most famous people in the, <laughs> in the story. 
Absolutely. But the only, uh, the last thing in this chapter that interested me is uh, on this last page of the chapter, he uses the word the Bible, mm. or, or the last two pages. I think this is the first time he uses the words Bible instead of Torah or Talmud. Right, mm. Talmud I know is not part of the Bible, but um, right, Bible still refers to the Jewish Bible. But I think he's deliberately throwing in Bible here at the end to claw back a lot of his Christian uh, listeners who were getting a little bit angry about all that Judaism talk. Yeah, I think maybe not because there's. I'm looking in the index and there's uh, several references to the Bible before this page. Okay, maybe I'm so wrong. So it, it may just I be think that it just he's hit using me at them the interchangeably. End. Yeah, as... maybe I didn't notice it till the end. That's maybe, possible. But maybe. I'm always I'm always noticing. When Because ben- a lot of this, right, we, uh, what we do is try and notice what they're doing and why they're doing it. Yeah. And we know that Ben is pandering to a heavily Christian audience, right? Yeah. We know that that's who he knows his book is going to sell to. Um, so we, you know, I, I keep an eye out for that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm, into, but, I'm now in the index and fascism is only mentioned once, which is interesting. Mm. Is it, uh, where it says fascism good? No, that... I don't think so. Okay. It's, uh, it's page 190, uh... <laughs> so I think that's the anti-communist and uh, anti-fascist bit. Oh, Actually, okay. shouldn't call Ben uh... an anti-fascist. That's, uh, he wouldn't I like that. I hope he gets into the Dinesh D'Souza arguments we've come to know and love. Uh-huh. But I will read, as I always do, the final paragraph of the chapter, which is, quote, But the biblical tradition does not stress the ability of people to reason a priori. Revelation stands above reason. And revelation alone is not enough the soul with which God endowed man seeks the divine through reason, the uniquely human quality that lifts human beings above animals and places us at the foot of God's throne. To seek a higher moral purpose, human beings would have to cultivate their reason. For that, they turned to Athens. Dum, dum, dum. Wonderful, wonderful to be done with chapter two of this book. Benedict, any thoughts? close it out. No, I think uh, I'm good, (laughs) to be honest. (laughs) That's enough for me. I, I I enjoyed that chapter a lot. I really did because it, it's such a, a brazen example of Ben not understanding the similar or pretending not to understand the similarities between all the things he's trying to claim Judaism isn't, namely a religion, right? And, right? Religion has had a pretty common purpose throughout all of human history, which is to provide a means for controlling people, giving them a uh, or inculcating the values that the society wants them to have. Very nice use of Ben's inculcation. Very good. Yes, baby. Anyways, that's it. That's it for this week's episode of uh, whatever we call this show these days. Not your grandmother's book club. <laughs> Not your grandmother's book club podcast. It's been a long record. It's very late today. Yep. And I'm sure we were both very tired. And I still have to stay up for several hours to edit this episode. Uh, But thank you all for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, if you just can't get enough of us, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash NYGBC and become a patron for as little as $2 an episode for patron-only episodes, shout-outs on the show, drawings to win our copies of the books we read, and more. As always, we have to give a shout-out to our wonderful and amazing patrons... Glowrung the Deceiver, Danielle, Big Easy Blasphemy, Becky Scott Fairley, Stephen and Cindy Dimmick, AJ Brantley, Taru Takanen, Skeptical Seventh, and Andrew Jenko. Thank you all, as always, for being our patrons. That's it for this week's show. Till next time, we are Sex bob and we are here to make you think about death and get sad and stuff. Goodbye. Goodbye.
Not Your Grandmother's Book Club podcast is a production of Kevin and Benedict Productions. Copyright 2020, all rights reserved. Music for this podcast is by Silverman Sound Studios. Find out more at silvermansound.com. Like jazz. Cool like the other side of the pillow. <laughs> this oh, podcast yeah. brought to you by my pillow. <laughs> not actually. <laughs> <laughs> we are you not associated. You know what? I'd, I'd, I'd take that guy's fucking money though. I don't I'd think just he donate would it to all him. the fucking good causes that he would completely disagree yeah. with. Yeah.